The Yuletide TV podcast is hosted by three college friends trying to find the best Christmas TV episodes ever made. That quest can, at times, be frustrating, which is a nice way of saying that this show contains explicit content. We know that might get us placed on the naughty list, but better us than you. Listen, Olivier, aren't you the one who's always talking about how Lucky Strike is 99% of our business or something? 69% if we land ponds cold cream. We have ponds, and I hate the way you say percent, you know that? What about our other clients? We have no other clients. If Lee Garner Jr. wants three wise men flown in from Jerusalem, he gets it. Welcome to the Yuletide TV podcast. My name is John. I'm here with Brian and Chris. And I'm going to solemnly welcome you to what is officially the Christmas season, much to my chagrin. But before we dig deeper into that, Brian, Chris, how are you doing now that it's officially Christmas and you have license to torture people with your preference for this holiday? <laughs> well, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm happy. We made it, man. Here we are. We made it all the way around again. December 2nd. We're in it. We're in it to win it. Countdown to Christmas. It's been happening in the Hallmark since November, but it's happening on this podcast right now. We respect the turkey here. <laughs> <laughs> I I know I know it's the season, but I haven't gone down to the county hall yet to pick up my license. Uh, I know I know I was supposed to do it. Uh, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. And uh, who's got cash these days anyway? You know, my county office only takes cash. They won't do card. They won't do check. It's hard cash only for Christmas licenses for December. And I haven't gotten it yet. Guys, I'm stressed out. What does a Utah Christmas license look like? Is it like a guy around the tree with his 16 wives? No, it just says it's it's got the official notary on it and everything. And it's it says Jesus loves you regardless. Does is that also your free pass into the tabernacle choir or is that a different is that a no. different fee and uh form altogether? It's a different form altogether with a fee and everything. Um I honestly haven't gone back to try it again cuz they're still technically processing my background check uh from the last time I did it 2 <laughs> years ago and I I never thought that I had that much background to check and it Wait, hold. Oh, I just got an email. Oh, my background check came through. Oh, they're not going to let me into the Tabernacle Choir. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You always you always worry when you uh when you have agnostic Christmas applications. <laughs> right. That they know that you're a coward. I don't uh. I still don't think I should have put my dad as a reference, but here we are. <laughs> I shouldn't put mine as a reference either. It looks a little Kennedy-esque. <laughs> Because he's dead, podcast listeners. <laughs> it's the joke. It's a good bit. Uh, <laughs> it is a good bit. Yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry, everyone. We're recording earlier than usual. I'm so I know we sound like we're we've been drinking all day, but it's just because you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. By that I mean I'm enjoying a protein shake because I'm just a paragon of health and better than you. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> Wow, I feel so attacked. It's it's uh it's vanilla salted caramel, boys. That's nice. I mean, I wrote I I ground my coffee before I uh, brew it. Does that count? I do that too. Oh, I do a pour over. Fuck. I do a pour over, and then Ooh. when I I take my accumulated pour over grounds at the end of the uh, not like the wet ones, obviously, but like the ones that are too much for my 
for my 600 milliliters of coffee and make a cold brew. And then I have cold brew for the rest of the I week. was going to ask, do you eat them with a spoon like Dwayne the Rock Johnson? No, that I don't believe anything that this is just my perspective. <laughs> like, I guess don't don't listen to this if you are the rock. Because like I I'll hang out with you. Cause, I don't because he'll come beat your yeah, candy rock. ass. I don't I don't ju- I don't judge you for this. Like, dude, you do whatever it takes to make seventy million dollars in a year. Like, fucking or more than that. You know, like seven hundred million dollars in a year. Like, live your life. But like, I don't know if you guys remembered like when like The Rock's Diet came out. Yeah, I like it was just like it's like an insane amount of food, which is fair for his like body type, but it's also like. And, and and steroids. <laughs> like, <laughs> this man this man gained a crazy amount of muscle in his fifties. <laughs> so And who cares? But, We're not here to judge. Yeah. Right? No. He's absolutely not a professional not. I don't, athlete. He looks great. Yeah, fucking hell yeah, dude. I you if anything, take more so you can make more fast and furious than Hobbs and Shaw. I loved Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw like, was excellent. Yeah, this is the Hobbs and Shaw podcast now. Yes. <laughs> okay real quick while we're on this tangent i do want to say this about hobbs and shaw really great right up to the ending (laughs) what i didn't didn't like it after they got to hawaii oh i liked hawaii Uh, i thought hawaii owned i uh, I thought it was too cheesy at that point oh dude i i'm here for those characters no it had the perfect amount of cheese and then it got to hawaii and then it was too much cheese have you been to hawaii yes i have Okay. I was like, not to generalize Hawaii, because, like, most of my time I spent kind of on, like, what is their, like, country bumpkin island, but, like, I, I, I didn't love Hawaii. It was, like, an uncomfortable place for me to be, because I just, I have powerful white guilt. <laughs> also, let's, let's just clarify that while it might have been, I don't know where it was filmed exactly, but it is Samoa, like. Yes, absolutely it, Samoa. Yes. It's American, yeah, Rock is American Samoa. Yes. Thank you. Anawai family, big ups to all of all of the Anawais. They're all good at wrestling. Even the one who almost died on WWE TV because he didn't jump as high as he thought he could. Oh, okay. My my issue <laughs> wasn't with the location. My issue was with the writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Brian, if you've ever seen a Fast and Furious movie, you know they're all about family. So I mean, yeah, it really I just fits with the theme. For him, I, I got family so and Corona. Many of his I didn't see one goddamn Corona that whole movie. <laughs> the the family, the Rock had so many of his cousins' jobs on that movie. <laughs> That's that awesome. like that owns, yeah. Like <laughs> he got a lot of the analyzed jobs in acting when they're like, like some of them are still pretty notable wrestlers that were in it, but like some of them are like retired, like yeah. just hanging out. And the Rock's like, y'all want couple hundred thousand dollars and they're like yes of course we were, oh my god yes we worked, <laughs> we worked we worked for an evil professional wrestling promotion that like underpaid us and will forever dodge litigation because they're what because the owner's wife was in the trump cabinet so <laughs> we're just learning so much this morning yeah yeah i can talk a lot about wrestling but but instead we're going to talk about other privileged white people <laughs> yeah let's talk about yeah let's in the 50s <laughs> Uh, 60s. 60s. Shit. It's in the it's in the It's theme. in the song, Brian. Mad men, mad men. 60s, 60s cigarettes. cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. It's it's easy stuff, Brian. <laughs> I apologize and I have brought shame upon my dojo. 
Yeah, you yeah you've you disrespected my dojo by walking in with your shoes on for certain. <laughs> I'm gonna go steal your Medal of Honor. Uh, <laughs> but it's the World War II for the GameCube. That's the best Medal of Honor. <laughs> really? It, it, yeah, it's the one where like before the lighting effects get bad. Uh, all right. No, but we're gonna talk about the most privileged of white people. The Mad Men, uh, if you didn't guess from the theme. We're going to talk about Don Draper and the boys and one girl. I guess like two girls, depending. No, three. And what season? What? For this yeah, episode, there's, three. Th- there's kind of three in this episode. No, but I meant like in the office. The boys, Peggy, the boys and, and Joan. And Joan, yes. Yeah. yeah. Joan's, Joan's a boss, You too. can't forget about Sally. You really shouldn't. Well, she doesn't work at the office. Well, though. true. And Don really should forget about Sally and let her live her life. You know, <laughs> it's eating him up. <laughs> so we were watching the we watched the Mad Men Christmas episode, which comes but once a year. This is the title. That was well, really not anymore. It shows off the thanks air. Other, <laughs> thanks, thanks, other John. Um, all right. So <laughs> John just carrying this podcast by himself, one handed. Yeah, it's it's a John show. Uh, John winning variety hour. All right, so. Let me do let me do a little summary. A little summary boy. The episode starts with the Drapers come Francis's selecting a Christmas tree, where Glenn has an exceptionally weird conversation with tel- with Sally, telling her to ask for something big this year, as her family will definitely have a new child and she'll be forgotten about. Don gets read a letter by a secretary from Sally, where, like a great absentee father, he instructs her to buy everything that Sally asked for for her and her brother, and a little more. And now Sober Fred brings Roger a new foot cream account that he needs help handling, and he asks only that Pete Campbell, who truly sucks, be kept away from it. (laughs) A nurse, who Don later attempts to canoodle, having a Christmas party, rudely awakes the hungover Don when he asks why she's celebrating so early. She informs him that they are overrun by suicides during the holiday. Peggy keeps overcoming that special brand of 1960s work sexism as she works with Fred on her new projects. Roger has a chance phone call with a lucky strike executive, forcing the office to unloosen the belt and put on a banger of a Christmas party. Peggy has some difficulty with her new boyfriend, Mark, about their differing opinions on sex, and the scaled-up Christmas party, complete with a tree and bartender, has a few truly, truly yucky conversations. (laughs) Shitty little Glenn vandalizes the Draper Francis home, and Roger gets arm-twisted into being Santa, while Don gets dragged through the mud by the psychologist whose test he dodged earlier. The show ends with Peggy and her boyfriend naked, cuddled in bed, and Dom solemnly carrying his gifts out of the office. So after that kind of bummer of a summary, I'm going to kick it over to Chris here, who's got some fun stuff to talk about. Absolutely, yes. Before we dive into this episode and talk about it fully, uh, we're doing kind of a fun new thing in our second season here. During the off-season, we were able to make a couple new friends, which, if you can believe that that people would want to be friends with us. You've heard us mention uh, some other Christmas podcasts like Christmas Past and Sleigh Bells and Mistletoe Christmas on our podcast before, but you might not know that there's a whole big community of Christmas podcasters out there. And for our second season, we're going to help spread a little holiday cheer by letting you get to know a few of them. So today's episode is prevented... So it's today, prevented by prevented. <laughs> yes, we are preventing this episode from happening. Um, 
Today's episode is presented by Craig Kringle from the Weird Christmas Podcast and his website, weirdchristmas.com. And here he is to tell you a little bit more about his podcast. I know you. You're tired of the same old joy of human compassion, overflowing generosity, and quaint, totally anxiety-free coziness of the holidays. You need Christmas to get a little bit weird. I'm Craig Kringle, and I've got you covered. On the Weird Christmas Podcast, I talk to a never-ending garland of writers, historians, filmmakers, and rampant weirdos who do their best to make sure we don't forget just how beautifully odd this holiday can be. We cover everything from Krampus to Christmas werewolves, the real winter elves like the Scandinavian Tomten and Nissa, to Iceland's 13 Yule Lads. And every year we share a good old traditional Christmas ghost story to keep things festive. I also host an annual flash fiction contest so we don't have to read Dickens again. So if you're a real traditionalist who wants Christmas to get back to its roots of creepy monsters, acknowledging the frozen, lifeless heart of winter and eating animal heads, come over to the Weird Christmas Podcast. Or check out weirdchristmas.com and all the surreal vintage postcards I share on social media. So Merry Christmas, and here's hoping Krampus doesn't whip you off to hell. There you have it. Be sure to check his podcast out. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we'll have a few more for you guys throughout the rest of our second season from some other cool podcasts you should check out. So, John, let's talk Mad Men. <laughs> yeah, let's let's uh, let's get mad about men. Yeah, it's a men podcast now. <laughs> Everyone have a bourbon and become masculine. Blow your hand off in the office. <laughs> I I think if I want to just start things off, it's really tough for Hollywood to go back and you know do period pieces. But I do truly think that Mad Men was a terrific prequel to Twelve Angry Men. <laughs> <laughs> Even. <laughs> No, like, it's not even the right time frame. <laughs> it, it'd be a sequel still. You know it's an ever even better prequel to? Every other era after it. Mm-hmm. Really. <laughs> really, yeah, you know, really informs how we got to where we are. <laughs> it was a great prequel to whatever the Greed is Good movie is, and then American Psycho. Actually, sorry, take that back. The Greed is Good movie then the wolf of wall street then the american psycho and then i don't know american beauty and then don't forget the sleeper men who stare at goats yeah god that movie is so not to be a men who stares at goats podcast but that movie made me kind of sad because it wasn't that good yeah that yeah. movie <laughs> that was and uh what's the other one burn after reading two movies yeah not that are not great well i thought burn god, after reading burn after good. yeah i like burn after reading a little bit mm. yeah yeah, the Burn After Reading should have been extra better because it has the girl Francis Dermott and the boy Brad- Bradley Pitt. Mm-hmm. Don't be forgetting my boy John Malkovich. Yeah, like everyone, everyone Owens in it, and then it's like, it's not even like a like where you get like a Cohen's like we like this guy, so it gets chucked in there, and you're like, eh, I believe in you to make it work. It's just like they're good. Yeah, and then it was like, it's okay. <laughs> you're like oh yeah, i think it's a little bit better than okay men who stare at goats though i had high expectations for and then i just blindly bought the blu-ray and uh i watched it once it's still in the blu-ray case here at home and i haven't opened it since <laughs> i think i own it on amazon so i can freely watch freely watch jeff bridges be weird when i need to i guess <laughs> <laughs>
All right, so but Matt, you guys ready? You guys ready to stop dancing around it and and go after what we're trying to dodge here? Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't wanna. Well, first off, what do you think it was like being perpetually drunk in the '60s? Uh, I think truly terrifying. <laughs> like on the outside, I think it's like if you look at like how much alcohol gets consumed in American history and how like drastically it goes down to like where it is now. And people are like, oh, kids these days party so much and they all get coronavirus. And it's like, dude, when you were growing up, you were drinking like a bottle of vodka, a day, like a bottle of whiskey a day. Mm-hmm. Like that's in, in, like unfathomable. Like it just like, <laughs> like if someone did that now once, like when I was like super problematic in my, in my like late teens, early 20s with my drinking, I did that like once and people were like, you may be... <laughs> like need to consider how you act (laughs) like you that was like not how a person should behave and that was just like what happened every day in the 60s right like thank god for the 60s because if it didn't happen then it could still be happening now but we have tough conversations to stop people from drinking a bottle of whiskey a day well i think the other i think it's good that mad men exists in its form that it does because i think we do have this really truly terrible habit of like ingrandizing our past uh-huh and the 60s were like a boom a, we're a relative boom period in american history and it is like a lot of cool stuff about the 60s right like it's really like very cool to look at the 60s fashion and it's very cool to imagine the world where everyone's still wearing their suits every day and like just like i guess greatly as a person who used to have a job where you wear a suit every day greatly inconveniencing their mornings <laughs> 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 like, ah, let me put on seven things to go stand in the sun. Sick. <laughs> well, hey, they got <laughs> like hats, too. Hats that covered yeah. your whole head. Yeah, dude, you want to wear a wool-ass hat in winter, or in summer. I think, like, Mad Men does a really good job of being honest with uh, the foibles of the 60s, like, what was, like, bad about it. It's uncomfortable to imagine because, you know, we all do descend from someone who was more than likely an, an American in the 60s it's uncomfortable to imagine them in this setting and beyond just being like, look how cool grandpa looked, you know, it's (laughs) like in this picture, it's like, it's important to remember that we have, we have made these steps to avoid workplaces like Sterling Cooper, where women are treated super inequitably, where you can just casually have a conversation that's horrible about race. Um, And it's kind of the strength of Mad Men where it's like, they give you characters, a lot of characters you like and think are fun. You know, like, I think Bert is cool. I think Bert's a funny character. Bert's a racist. Yeah. <laughs> I think Don, in a lot of ways, maybe got a little bit of Tyler Durden syndrome as a character, where people weren't quite getting it in, at the time. Oh, sure. And, and and a little bit is just John Hamm was so good in that character. But it's good that they show... That Don sucks. <laughs> like yeah. Don's, a, Don's a truly bad person, you know? So that's kind of, I guess, my addressing the 60s-ness of it. Certainly if you are a person who's uncomfortable with seeing themes that are maybe males being sexually aggressive to females. Conversations that are just like, like an episode that is mostly filled with dialogue that is casual misogyny. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. there's, there's just, I mean, I think if you need to understand what Madwin is, 
and and again i i think we should be clear like we're not making excuses but it is a contextual show showing that as john said like this this is horrible like i and i think i know some people i've talked to about this show have have a hard time watching it like they're like i don't like it like i don't like seeing this stuff even you know because i think it it does toe a line of like between glorifying and highlighting the horribleness of it because there is this gloss over it all you know everyone is so well dressed everyone you know does seem to be living kind of a carefree lifestyle until they're not and until you really listen to the dialogue and until you realize oh yeah like america was not perfect in the 60s and you know a lot of the problems that are highlighted here are still problems today you know there we've come a long way but we there's also a long way to go absolutely yeah i i think too that you know to your point chris that there's this gloss over it i think there's a it kind of goes meta into the show a little bit and kind of at the ending where Don Draper has this gloss about him and in the workplace he's very much revered I think that's a flop sweat Brian I don't I don't think (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) that's the wool hat that's the wool hat and the full suit in July (laughs) well I think this kind of the major theme of Mad Men as a show is kind of like Don's like fall yeah like the show is about Don fall like a fall of a fall of a guy who was like an up-and-comer and I think, like, at the end, really never quite makes it. No. Um, to, like, the American well, dream. I can't. I, I've never finished Mad Men, so I can't really say. Okay. This is about, in in my, when I was binging Mad Men, when it was back on Netflix uh, in, I don't know, 2013, somewhere, 2014, somewhere in there. Uh, this is about as far as I made it, because this episode made me feel so uncomfortable and bless it because it made me uncomfortable today when i was watching it with april you know we were both just like kind of oh that's not uh, that's not good and i think to a degree this episode or mad men in general is kind of a litmus test for you know uh how people are you know if if you've got somebody (laughs) who looks watches this episode go oh that just that made me feel icky and not right and then kind of like we were talking about before with Tyler Durden effect, you know, if you got somebody who goes, that was awesome. Stay away from that person and or have a very difficult conversation with them. <laughs> well, I think it's I think in a lot of ways it's a maturity check. Yeah, because I think when my when I first watched this episode came out when we were 20. Yeah. 10 years old. Yeah. 10 year old episode. Also, just fun to Shit. mention. This is a Christmas episode that came out in August. Yeah, Christmas in August, baby. Still a gorgeous, gorgeously shot episode. Really, oh, this, yeah. This is a time visually series. aged well. Yeah, yeah, aged visually very well. Yeah, but I, when I was watching this when I was young, I think I very much Tyler Durden with Don, where I was like, wow, this guy's like cool, and kind of like taking that to one of the more uncomfortable interactions in the show, on this episode where he. Him and his secretary, uh, like, she, he forgets his keys. He's, you know, there's a lot of, like, waiting on how drunk he is. Like, right before he leaves the office, the guy's like, God, that guy's pathetic. You know, um, her, the person who his secretary brought on the date, and she brings him his keys, and they go inside. And he kind of aggressively, I don't want to say, like, forces himself on her, but there's, like, a very gnarly power dynamic between it. 
And she makes a few, at least to me, watching it a sec, uh, like it's like a sixth time, makes a few lines where you're like, oh, she's like very uncomfortable with the situation and just kind of like going along with it because it's her boss and she like maybe respects his work, but like she's like, she likes him as a person and just like going along with it, but like isn't all the way on board with it. And then you have like the part in the next morning where she types up her resignation after he treats her just very poorly in the morning. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, and gives her like a hundred dollars, like which is in sixties money is quite a bit, and I'm sure she is like, I'm getting treated like a prostitute and being told to shut up. And I remember being like, Oh, like she wants a relationship and that's like mean to do someone who wants a relationship, but like she's saying stuff like, Oh, like I feel like my stomach's like rolling mm-hmm. like when he's like coming on to her, which is like what you would do in an uncomfortable situation like that to try to be like, God, please get off me. Yeah, there's I mean, that's certainly the the most difficult part of this episode where you know i i think that's probably what the last kind of quarter of the episode after the christmas party and which which a lot of the episode is build up to and i you know i think that that scene is tough because i think you get hints throughout the episode that the secretary she has like i think she does have an infatuation with john but she has him john John Hamm. Uh, John. <laughs> Just say. <it. laughs> uh, yeah, don't do this to me. <laughs> with, 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 no, but I think she has an infatuation with Don, but I think she has a fantasy about him in terms of like, you know, again, going back to this this gloss that is over these people in positions of power on the show where he's well-dressed, he's well-liked, he's respected. He is, you know, he's quick-witted and he's, you know, he's dry. He, you know, he, he has a sense of humor. And you see that, like, I think she feels a certain pity towards him because, you know, the other thing is this is the fourth season of the show. This is right after they did a pretty hard reset on the whole show, which is Don and Betty breaking up at the end of the third season and the new company starting up, you know, Sterling Cooper becoming Sterling Cooper Draper Price. So you're in this hard reset, and he's kind of at a low point in his life. We we hear him talk about that in this episode where we see him drinking a lot, coming home drunk. He has that interaction with the nurse in the hallway, and she's like, oh, you don't like Christmas? And he's like, no, I just don't like this Christmas. And so there's, I think, a certain pity. But to your point, I think there's when you get to that point where she brings his keys home and walks him into his apartment he's definitely taking advantage of her and i think at a certain level she's like oh this might be okay and then the next morning as you said john it's just like oh this entire facade of don draper has completely crumbled because this man is an, a huge asshole yeah well, and it, it also plays into the recurring theme of uh entitlement and misogyny throughout the episode as well where we constantly see men getting what they expect and what they want you know i mean they showed a pattern of don coming home drunk and wanting uh, a sexual encounter it didn't really matter who he tried it with the nurse who rejected him and you know let it go and then he tried it the next night for the most part i I don't know exactly what the timeline is but i'm pretty sure it's the next night with his secretary and then you see the expectation of the lucky strike guy coming in for the christmas party and just kind of really flexing on everybody, getting what he wants. You know, whether that is John Slattery in a Christmas costume or a party invite in general. You know, and then we see to a lesser degree with Peggy's boyfriend 
also kind of trying to flex and get what he wants because it's what they feel they deserve. I think that's a fairly large degree from Mark. I don't think it's like lesser at all. I think like if you are if you are a person who treats women like Mark, mm-hmm. you should maybe not you should maybe take a year off of dating. <laughs> and like do, do some self-reflection and really <laughs> and like if you like look at if you look at yourself and you're like, "Wow, I'm treating people this poor as poorly as he is treating her." Mm-hmm. You should you should just not be doing that. Like right. you other people don't deserve to be treated how he treats Peggy. Right. Oh, well, and I just, when he came on screen, I, like, he is, I totally forgot about that guy, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, you're like, you are one of her worst boyfriends. <laughs> like, yeah, you have, like, you have, you, have, you have Pete Campbell at the very, very bottom of the list, and then you have, like, there's the one guy who's, like, the journalist, Abe, I think, who's who's pretty good, and then the guy she ends up with at the end, who uh, is the coworker guy, but this guy is just the worst. And he's so forgettable, too. <laughs> well, he's such an he's such a different type of asshole, too. Because at the end, when they were laying in bed together, he's like, do you feel any different? I was like, fuck you. You're yeah. not that great. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, yeah, it's just an achiness about him. And, like, his, like, line where it's, like, you know, in Sweden... And it's like, fuck you, dude. Right. Like a, oh yeah, that's a that's <laughs> a weird country. Yeah, you're Swedish. You know, I you are from a weird country. Another weird country doesn't feel differently about sex. <laughs> they just like maybe are slightly more open and have seen a pair of boobs, and they're like, you fucking loser, <laughs> right? Like just the worst line. Just like make her feel uncomfortable, right? And like actually, I think that that scene is the Don Draper stuff and the secretary stuff is like. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's very, it's very sad to see a woman who's that proficient at her job leave it because she's sexually mistreated uh, by her boss. No, just mistreated um, in general too. Well, yeah, yeah, like it's, uh, you know, it's, I don't know, it's, I'm sure there's a lot of a lot of emotions that go into her leaving. I haven't watched Mad Men in a second because I don't think me heart could take it. <laughs> but like, Peggy has this like independence about her where she's like. You know, she's this Midwestern small town girl, but she's very good at writing ads. She's very smart. She's very, you know, she's she's a lot of these superlatives and she's very much herself as a character and kind of like kind of like the sounding board character for the audience where it's like this is a crazy different world. But this is a character that this is your expectations of a woman in the 60s that never really happened as Peggy. And then the end of it is basically she gets told by a person she doesn't respect their views on the world and Fred being like, well, I wouldn't have sex until marriage because he won't respect you. And then it's like, well, I'm going to have sex because you don't know what you're talking about, Fred. <laughs> Fred Fred definitely does not know what he's talking about. <laughs> Fred's old-fashioned. Fuck him. And, and I'm not certainly not besmirching people who have, like, fuck, dude. Go out and have, have as much sex as you want or have as little sex as you want. Modesty is empowering to some. It's expressing your body is powerful to other. Do what everyone makes you the happiest. Mm-hmm. but like it's it was just kind of a bummer to see something that she had she's something she cared about given away from male pressure in two different sides yeah well i think that kind of leads into one of the things i really liked about this episode is that i think it took us into some different christmas themes and situations that we have not really had a chance to talk about yet on this podcast and one of those is 
I think ties off of this idea of men getting what they want, which is humiliation, like humiliation around the holidays, whether it's Roger being humiliated by putting on the Santa suit or the secretary being humiliated by what happens with Don the next morning after they sleep with each other or what what happens with Peggy. You know, I think that is it's it's a certain Christmas thing where I think the holidays really do open people up to the possibility of being humiliated, whether it's, you know, buying someone a bad gift or, you know, not showing up with something to a party that you were supposed to bring something or, you know, I, it, it was just interesting because we haven't really had much of that in any episode we covered yet. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I like it just in general, cause I'm, I'm a pretty socially anxious person. So I, part of, I'm beyond just like working retail and like, you know, just having a difficult family time with Christmas, just like anytime I'm involved with someone and have to show up to like a Christmas party or like a work Christmas party, especially, and especially when I was like, not super established in my life, where Christmas parties are the worst, they're super humiliating. Well, <laughs> so like, yeah. I, I mean, does it do either of you guys have any good? I mean, what are your experiences? Like what of your office christmas parties typically looked like when you when you've had them the company i worked for last had this gigantic christmas party um at the a casino that like you traveled to mm. and yeah it was um it's like one of the least enjoyable nights of my life <laughs> for certain uh i was like so excited to leave and to get to like go by, go to bars with like coworkers i was closer to it's just, like, I think there's, like, no more possible and comfortable setting than, hey, you should be drinking. People are going to be judging you if you're not drinking and having fun because they spent all this money to make sure you're having fun. And then you also have to be on your best behavior. Yeah. Because you're, like, dealing with, like, your corporate level bosses. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's truly, it's truly so uncomfortable. I already, like, the company I worked for is really wide. So, like, you're dealing with, like, 500 people. I know maybe a hundred and then they just like keep on trying to be like network, 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 because like you have a lot of like, it was a, you know, one of those types of companies and it just, it was like just so uncomfortable and I was so happy just to like, it was from a city where I used, it was in a city where I used to live. So I was like, please let me just go downtown and go to a bar. I know like, and that's how I felt too at, you know, one of my company parties that I was at and, um, uh, a much smaller, uh, scale, but the power dynamic, became very clear i was a resident director at the time which does not pay a lot and it was a one bedroom apartment that was very small within a residence hall so the party was held at one of the administrators for the college's uh home which was just absolutely gorgeous and huge you know so to john's point yeah you got to behave you know you got to make sure that you're not you know doing anything that's gonna you know jeopardize your career and stuff but at the same time you know you want to enjoy yourself because it's an open bar and there's good food there's just part of that dynamic is like wow this is so much and you know personally at the time i felt like oh wow i have so little in comparison it's just tough it can be a good time, but at the same time, it's a good exercise uh, to remind yourself not to compare yourself to others, because 
where you're at in your life and where they're at in their life are two very different processes and how they got there. And, you know, if that's what you want, work hard and one day you'll get there. And, you know, if it's not, live your own life. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 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 There. Okay. There, Captain America. Are you you worried they're going to ban personal property? (laughs) That was a a crazy line. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but i did like that it's not though because people still make that oh no i know yeah. that's I, that's what i thought was funny about it is like there yeah. are people who we've still come so think, far think that way well and, but i do like that later like before don leaves the party that doctor dr faye comes and talks to him and she's like oh bert and my boss are still out there and they'll probably keep talking until they figure out a way to take food from small children (laughs) (laughs) dr Faye, by the way is uh mrs wheeler from stranger things that's who it is i knew i recognized her face a little bit i brought that up to april and she's like no i think that's just a generic actor i was like it's not i'm telling you it's some. I, I'm gonna. <laughs> she is from something, and that is the thing she she's is from. from something. I'm gonna. I'm gonna soap. I actually truly do. I think the conversation with Faye and Don at the end is really one of the stronger ones of the episode. Mm. Love, love that. Did enjoy John, Don walking out of pop psychology test. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that was very much in vogue of the '60s, and it truly, truly breaks my heart that that stuff is kind of back. And you and is not only kind of back, but like used as something that can be used as like hiring qualifications. Like if you are like Myers Briggs has no scientific merit or value. Uh, come at me if you disagree. <laughs> You're super wrong, and it's really easy to prove it's wrong. Whatever the new one is, like Prism, that I think companies like Ooh. that one also doesn't. Don't forget uh, Strengths Finder. Yeah, like these like personality tests are just kind of like they were very in vogue in the '60s. It's important to remember that Myers Briggs was never developed by a psychologist. It was a woman and her mom bored taking like horoscope tests, and we're like, we can make one about your personality <laughs> in the late '50s. But the horoscope is about my personality, John. Yeah, sure, man. <laughs> but like, but like, people put like a lot of merit on those, and I did like Don just being like, nah. So even though Doctor Faye gave like. One of the one of the hard one of the harder section like one of the harder lines of the episode with a like I forget no one wants to think they're a type. Oh well, uh, and before that, the what she says immediately before it is you'll be married yeah. within a year, and this is also I don't know if this is the first time we see Megan, but this is you know again this is only the second episode of the season, so I don't know if she was in the first one or not, but if this is the first time we see Megan, you know that's. It's again. Th- this show is very well constructed with its storytelling. Yeah, good old Megan Sharon Tate Draper. <laughs> that was my that was my favorite internet theory, by the way. My favorite my favorite one was <laughs> what if Pete Campbell gets eaten by a bear? Uh, what? <laughs> I, it would have been deserved. Look, oh, that's man. there's there's this one there's this one writer on Uprox. It was every season, like from season like five onward until the end he's like he just kept writing these articles called but what if pete campbell gets eaten by a bear like he just hated pete so much he wanted to see pete Pete campbell is truly a repugnant character and like even in the like he has like what three lines this episode not a whole lot yeah and you're just like and if your reaction is anything other than every time he talks like fuck you (laughs) 
like you're a stronger person than I do me. I do like he's just so unlike where he tries to like take the heat off Roger and is like I could be Santa and Lee's like no you can't <laughs> no 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 <laughs> that's how you interact with Pete yeah right I watched this with April, obviously, and uh, there was a moment when Allison Brie comes on. It's like the first scene that she's there, and I go, "Oh!" And April's like, "What?" <laughs> I'm like, "Pete Campbell." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck Pete Campbell. Uh, yeah, no, that's Pete Campbell. I, that's who I wanted to see. And, and they give him America's current sweetheart as a wife, mm-hmm. and you're just like. Oh, fuck you even more, right? pal. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, it is really funny. Like, you know, we watched we watched Community last week, and we're watching this now, and, you know, we get two doses of Allison Brie, and it is crazy. It's so crazy that she was doing both these shows at the same time, playing completely different characters, and stealing every scene she's in. Like, just absolutely brightening up and stealing the spotlight. When And she, she too, only has, like, three lines in this episode, but... Trudy is so different than Annie and just like, you know, plays her so differently. It's, it's a fun mm-hmm. performance to watch a contrast to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be wrong here, but for some reason, my brain is like still Jewish in Mad no. Men. Oh, I don't think so. Tr- I don't think so either. Uh, we could be wrong. Though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, she is not. Yeah. Okay. She is not. Did you just do a quick Google? Yeah, I did. I thought she, I thought maybe that character was, and I was like, I mean, that's a weird through line for the characters, but all right, all right. <laughs> I mean, Roger's, Roger is my secret episode MVP. Roger, Roger is my favorite character of the show, hands yeah. down. Well, yeah. John Slattery's great, and I love, yeah. uh, I, I hope to look like him as I get older, because <laughs> oh, I think dude. he's just so well kept, and I love his he's, voice yeah. and everything about him. He that's, is the that's truest the silver fox. But John Slatt. I think I think he has he's the most redeemable character because he at least recognizes when he does stuff wrong and mm-hmm. like tries to repent a little bit. Yeah, he's like the truest Silver Fox though. Like that guy is what Silver Fox is designed for. You know, I, I didn't watch And as a man who's starting to gray early, pretty stoked about that. <laughs> I didn't watch Mad Men a whole lot after this, but uh, there was a period in time where April was watching it as like her nighttime show and stuff. This was back when I was with uh, the brewery, so I was working later. And uh, there is a really great episode where uh, Sterling takes acid yeah, and goes yeah. through a really reflective process and then comes out on it the other side and actually changes and there's growth. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, of all the episodes that I could just like pop in on at the end of the day, I really enjoyed that I caught that one. I wish acid worked like that. <laughs> 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 it's a good time though. <laughs> so, uh, how Christmassy was this episode, boys? Pretty very pretty Christmassy. Christmas conga, man. What the Christmas yeah. conga line? Love it. Yeah. I also like that this was a time where, like, all these rich people are, like... And I know a lot of people still do this, but, like, they're going away on trips. Like, do do you guys or your families, do you guys ever do trips for, like, tropical trips for Christmas? No, I grew up in the country, dog. My my family would fight. You would. I reckon you'd get your ass beat for saying something like that right here. (laughs) I would agree. I don't. I don't like the idea of Christmas with palm trees around me. I love it. 
I love the idea of Christmas in Acapulco <laughs> being assaulted by bikinis like Don. That sounds pretty metal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, uh, our Christmas is always too family oriented to to go anywhere. To get away. Outside of what? Wisconsin or the Midwest, yeah. It's It's important to note that my, though I am an only child, my extended family is my dad is the middle of 15 and my mom is the third oldest of 12 whoa jesus so i don't think i ever realized your family was that big (laughs) yes i that's why whenever i like whenever i say like oh i have a cousin or an aunt or an uncle who does this i do like i'm not storytelling i have like a couple hundred john's john's uncle really does work for nintendo you guys (laughs) 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 trying to think what my coolest uncle did like one ran a hospital that's pretty cool nice that's pretty neat pretty neat he goes like he goes like pan am sailing now that's pretty cool uh (laughs) that guy's that guy that guy's rad big ups john other john yeah it's like a solid christmasy episode you got the tree plucking yeah right at the start you have christmas hell night by shitty glenn (laughs) uh (laughs) you got you got some good christmas music sprinkled throughout what i liked about this episode too is that i know there are other Mad Men episodes because Mad Men, like, typically the seasons take place, like, kind of over the course of a year, more or less. Like, you know, it's not like the last, you know, episodes don't pick up immediately where the last one left off. You know, so sometimes they'll, like, have Christmas, but Christmas will be in, like, the middle of the episode. And then it'll be, like, the start of the new year in the back half of the episode. So it was nice that this episode was pretty much all all Christmas. Yeah, like, it's Christmas party, dog. Did you guys ever have to play that weird pass the orange game? No. Yeah, I want to say yes. Dude, I, like, full-on had to do that in school once. Oh, really? And, like, oh, yeah. We were, like, it's li- like team-building Little, little-ass kids. For sure, like, we did that in, like, a gym class when I was, like, in, like, second grade. And now in context, seeing it in an episode of Mad Men and what it was designed for, I'm like... Who the fuck was that teacher? <laughs> and like, why were they allowed to do this? And like, now I'm concerned for what the fuck happened in Krivitz. <laughs> Is it weird that the coronavirus has had such an impact on me? I will look back at shows like Mad Men that were made a decade ago and think, well, that's just not social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> that that orange is that that's not a good game if you don't want coronavirus. Yeah. It's weird, but good. Yeah, you know, you should you should think that way. I think it's. it's you know? I think I think that with more modern stuff, but stuff like this that's more period. I'm like, well, yeah, that's okay. That that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> put your put your suit on and weirdly force a lady to rub her face on your neck. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, do we? I just want. Yeah. I I want to see if there is a discussion to be had here. If not, I just want to make this statement. But Glenn, Sally's friend, is always giving me really big serial killer vibes. I yes. <laughs> Does he correct. turn out to be a serial killer? <laughs> no, no. He's just he not... like joins the army or something, doesn't he? Yeah. Like so, maybe we okay. don't know what Glenn becomes. After. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, fair I enough. don't. I don't know if it's just like they're not getting the performance they want out of the kid or uh, if they're like getting the performance they want out of the kid and they want him to feel a little like weird. If they, if so, they nailed it. 
Yeah, I think they kind of want it to be, like, a sort of weird kid who hoard, holds a torch for Sally. Because, mm-hmm. like, Sally's very, as a character, very susceptible to, like, overtures of guys. I think almost as a point of the character. Like, maybe. Which also, like, ick. But, um, they, like, they have her kind of, like, repeatedly. Especially in Christmas episodes, it feels like. Have, like, a, a boy her age say something to her and her be like, I will run away with you. <laughs> and I think it's, like, to... I think it's, like, Mad Men trying to be, like, clever is trying to do, like, well, she is growing up in a home without a father. So she's, like, seeking male attention. It's it's hmm. weird, like, too, that they really overemphasize the creepiness by, like, the music, the way it's shot. Like, everything slows down when Glenn... And Sally are like interacting, and he's that, unblinking. Yeah, he is human. Unblinking, unblinking. <laughs> yeah, Glenn is terrifying. I call him shitty little Glenn for a reason. I hate that guy. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> I would. I'd fight that kid. <laughs> like, ugh. don't like him. Do not like him at all. It's actually, I kind of like that every Mad Men character in hindsight has kind of like a note to them or a point to them or like something they're designed to show. Well, I liked in this like. <laughs> I like, you know, reflecting on this episode, I like that. One of my first notes when watching this episode is when, like, Freddy came in. I wrote, like, Freddy! Exclamation point. So excited to see Freddy, too. Just like Peggy was. And then you get through it and you're like, oh, yeah, Preg- or, uh, Freddy kind of sucks. And you kind of take that same journey that Peggy does where you're like, well, yeah, that's great. Freddy, I remember. I have fond memories of Freddy. And then you're like, oh, wait, but Freddy is not the best. <laughs> Yeah, Freddie has some issues. Yeah. It's like that episode of Community where they find the trampoline at the community college, and then it turns out Joshua was racist the whole time. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I just need to flex and demonstrate to everybody that I've watched more Community. Everybody's a little bit racist sometimes. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've 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 maybe exhausted it. Yeah. 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 Let's attack some final judgments and jump in to the last ten minutes, baby. <laughs> Chris, go first. Oh man, I really didn't want to go first. This was a hard one because I love Mad Men. Mad Men and Breaking Bad always like were airing at the same time. I'm always like, I I respect people who like Breaking Bad. I respect the storytelling. I don't like Breaking Bad. It is not an enjoyable show for me to watch. I don't like the characters where Mad Men was always like an easier, more enjoyable watch for me. So I really like this show. I like that this episode was very Christmassy, but I just like it doesn't leave you feeling good. And it doesn't even leave you like feeling good in a bad way either. Like I think like you can watch an episode and like feel a little heartbroken feel a little sad and like still feel like good about it like that it draws that emotion out of you for the holidays but this just leaves you feeling a little icky and so i i think i'm just gonna have to go with a pair of socks here like i i was really debating between pair of socks and a classic i think for me like i like if it was just me i'd feel more comfortable saying christmas classic but if you're an outside person who's watching this episode on a whim i think pair of socks is the more accurate judgment call all right big papa bri bri tell me your feelings yeah this is a straight lump of coal oh 
straight lump of coal because there is i mean to chris's point it's a very good episode mad men is well written it's well shot the characters are flawed and it's good to see that in contrast with today's world and go yeah that culture sucks i don't want to be a part of it but as far as a christmas episode goes straight shit because right because i'm thinking like my my take this season is like okay what's the christmas lesson what's the takeaway and as far as i'm concerned the takeaway is don't i mean it's a good lesson of don't treat people around you like shit with entitlement and misogyny not a great christmas lesson you know just you just the whole episode leaves you icky (laughs) and this is not something i would want to watch every year that, you heard it here first, guys. Brian is okay with misogyny. No, yeah, it's a shit Christmas lesson. It's a great lesson. That's what Brian wants. It's a shit Christmas, Christmas lesson. I think. It's I think a, it's a fine I Christmas all lesson. Year, I think it's an all year. Yeah, lesson. it's an all year. Like, literally, literally the most definitive piece of Christmas, like the most definitive piece of international Christmas literature, at least for weird countries, is. A Christmas Carol, which is functionally its lesson is don't treat people weird, (laughs) and if it's on FX, don't rape and don't treat people weird. (laughs) And then, like the most definitive piece of like American Christmas media is It's a Wonderful Life, which is like don't treat people poorly (laughs) on Christmas. So I would debate that it's not a Christmas lesson. Yeah, but that was that was the revelation that those characters came to at the end of those pieces of media. Whereas Mad Men is the revelation that you have to extrapolate and decide for yourself. So in a sense, that's good. And that's what you want to do is kind of the inception of that idea. But I just, it's just, it's not a good Christmas episode. I don't like it. I, I don't like it. I, I'm sorry that you like to be happy. I do like to be happy. <laughs> What's it, is it like being that soft? <laughs> um, you guys ready to all be on different islands? Yes. Because I'm going to go Christmas class. Okay. That's why this podcast is great, boys. <laughs> I think that I'm going to even take this episode away from, like, the performances, which are all excellent. Oh, yes. Uh, we didn't mention it enough. Like, Elizabeth Moss is truly incredible. Yeah. Crush. Like, comfortably the best actor on the show. And everyone still talks about John Hamm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she's so good in this. Particularly this episode. She does. She's so subtle and so so strong. But... I think it's good to have media that's negative and beyond just like the stuff that we talked about at the beginning, um, this episode kind of in a, a lot of little ways digs at being alone on Christmas mm-hmm. well, in a big way, being alone on Christmas and in a smaller way, being depressed on Christmas. Don's this pretty clearly depressed character and as a person who struggles with depression, myself, uh, you a lot of times make really inadequate choices for the people, for yourself and the people, and treat people around you in a way that you wouldn't want to be treated. Uh, and he does that with a lot of characters. He treats people really poorly in this episode, and the nurse even kind of like. Madman does a lot of like weighted lines where they like hammer a line pretty hard and let it like settle. And. The woman, the nurse, I think is like a really cool character that maybe we didn't get to talk about a lot where it's like, my father was a drunk. And then they're like, oh, we're overrun on Christmas by by oh, Christmas and New Year's with suicides. 
and it's maybe like a little heavy-handed storytelling for some and i think usually for me it's really heavy-handed storytelling but i think it's like a setup for kind of like struggles that don has like later as the show progresses it's really interesting and it's really it's really dark and heavy and it really makes you think about that i don't think this is a christmas classic if you are a person who is from the 60s i think it's something that you maybe don't want to think about but i think as we live in a country where more and more we're doing stuff like banning ap history classes it's good to see warts and beyond that it's good to talk about mental health even on holidays and talk about how we're treating people on holidays so. Yeah, I agree. That a- class that, absolutely. That yeah. that yeah. actress too is the the nurse who. Yeah, I agree. We we could have spent a little more time talking about her, but is from a movie I love called Brick. Yes. Love Brick. Love Brick. Which is a great movie. Not a Christmas movie, but uh, if you like neo noir, Ryan Johnson and Joseph Gordon Levitt things, check out that movie because yeah, if you don't if you don't love treat. Ryan Johnson, what's wrong with you, man? <laughs> right. God, that guy's so good. Uh, and then you can watch Brick and then listen to Brick by Ben Folds and you'll be like, wow, that was a great movie and a below average song. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to John's point real quick because I think that is one of the greatest strengths of Mad Men. It's its lack of episodic television. And if this was like a CW show or like any kind of drama, then Don getting taken care of by the nurse calling him a drunk and being depressed and everything like that and really, you know, that heavy-handed storytelling that would be at the peak of the episode and then there would be some kind of poppy sad song where the rest of the episode would be reflection and montage on how it kind of touches everybody else. But Mad Men does a really good job of like John said letting you sit with that and that's where the show's strength is. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's it's very funny to see sometimes what they went with for their weight lines. And I really liked that. Like, one of them is, like, in Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, like... And then that one, like, settles for a little bit before you get the resolution of, like, you'll never get me to do what they do in Sweden. <laughs> 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 yeah, they're, like, I forgot no one wants to think they're type. You get a little weight on that. Mm-hmm. Civil uh, civil rights is a slippery slope. And then, again, that's a yeah. little more foreshadowing for later in the series where they have to hire a person of color. Yeah, it's the storytelling on it. I think is good. I mean, it's certainly not everyone's cup of tea. If you are, if you need to holly jolly on Christmas, I guess because you're not okay with your impending mortality the way the rest of us are. Thank you. It's not. <laughs> it's maybe not for you, but if you aren't a holly jolly Christmas person and you uh, you like you think Christmas can be a really good lens for for humanity and the the perils of. It's it's an interesting it's an interesting adventure in it for certain. Absolutely. It's not a Hallmark movie. <laughs> no. <you know? laughs> it's it's the opposite of a Hallmark movie. No one didn't have their kids cuz they were busy doing working. So now we can share your kids. Although now that you mention that, there are some parallels. <laughs> <laughs> did did can we write one of those like slideshow articles? Did Bad Men create the template for holiday Christmas movies? <laughs> <laughs> Click the next slide to find out. You'll see that both Mad Men Christmas movies and Hallmark Christmas movies rely heavily on the themes of Christmas and divorced parents especially. <laughs> and people being too busy to have families. Right. Because they were busy doing working. Working, working is tough. <laughs> <laughs> no christopher no john i have too much working to do this holiday i can't enjoy it 
So that was our interpretation of Mad Men. <laughs> Next week, we have something that I don't remember, because I don't really do that much research before the podcast, uh, besides stuff that makes me look smart. So I will hand it over to who will be resuming his tyrannical reign over the podcast. Yeah. Uh, taking, the re- taking the reins back from me and Brian's happy, happy, fun time drama podcast show. <laughs> Uh, and we'll give it to Chris. Well, thank Did you enjoy the few of his birthdays? <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that line. <laughs> that is a great moment. In the, yeah. Uh, when when Don when when Don and Roger are friends and friendly, that's some of the best shit on that show. <laughs> well, it's how they open. It's like I love that. That's kind of how they open the show too. Is like Roger and Don are homies, and you're like, I like these. Yeah. Two. Like, in season one, you're like, I both of these are good dudes, even though they have, like, wars. Yeah. They're fun friends. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but in two days, we're going to close out our look at drama, dramatic Christmas episodes, uh, with another couple of bros. That's right, a whole band of them. We're going to be watching Bastone from the HBO miniseries Band of Brothers, which you can watch on HBO Max. So excited. I'm pretty stoked. I really like that show. It's good. It's like the best show. <laughs> it, is, it is an all-time top-tier show. Yeah, it's, it's, a tw- it's a 12 out of 10. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. But if you like what we've been doing so far in our second season with our sitcoms and our dramas and all that, you can always help support the podcast by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to it wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, fun new thing this year, we're on Amazon Music, Amazon Music added podcast. You can tell Alexa to play Yuletide TV, and it'll probably do it from what we've heard. We don't know. I don't know. Ooh, Alexa, play Yuletide TV. Here's a first from Apple Podcasts, playing the latest episode, Saturday, September 19th, 2020. Shit! Uh, what? We aren't the Daily. Alexa, shut up. <laughs> also, don't forget to check out uh, Weird Christmas. We'll include a link to their podcast in the show notes and probably tweet about it or Insta about it, which you can find on our Instagram and Twitter. How about that? At Yuletide TV. Uh, if you like what we've been doing this season and want to let us know if you're like, hey, are you going to cover this? Hey, why don't you cover this? Have some suggestions for us? Reach out to us, TV at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. How are your holidays going? Are you ready? Are you excited? Now it's December. John will li- read these ones now. No, I won't. Email Chris about Digimon. <laughs> <laughs> I, still, I still can't read. <laughs> It's frankly a miracle that I get through the summary without being able to read. It's an iron memory. Yeah, it's 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 really it's pretty good. A showcase of his fortitude and determination. Yeah, you know, you go out there and you believe. Two great words to use in a review for this podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but until that time, we hope your December is off to a great start. I've been Chris. I've been Brian. I'm still John. We are glad you're still alive. Sleigh Bell Sounds provided by Michael Koenig from soundbible.com and Joy to the World provided by freexmasmp3.com.